Hey, everyone. This is EJ Lawless, host of the HR Tech Go-To-Market podcast, the best and only podcast on bringing future of work and HR tech companies to market. Today, I have a very special guest. I have Olga Kazakova, the VP of Marketing at WorkRise, and a former co-worker of mine at Indeed. Olga, I think you're going to be a very popular guest, would be my guess on this. But we'd love to have you introduce yourself to those that maybe don't know you. Any background you want to include about what you've done in the past and where you're working now would be great. Hey, EJ, it's so awesome to be here with you today. As you mentioned, I'm currently the VP of Marketing at WorkRise. And in a nutshell, WorkRise connects skilled workers to jobs. So we pay, place, and in some cases, even train workers. Our vision is that our platform powers every stage of a worker's journey, from finding a job to onboarding to travel and expenses, payroll, invoicing, and then, of course, finding that next job all in one place. And as you and I both know, finding a job can be so extremely tough. And it's even tougher when you bring in considerations like safety, compliance, and payment. So that's really what we're looking to solve for skilled laborers. At WorkRise, I lead a team of over 20 amazing marketers across digital marketing, brand and communications, and client growth. We're headquartered in Austin. We recently rebranded and also announced our Series E funding in May of last year. And then a little bit about me outside of work. I'm a mom and I love seeing the world through my kids' eyes and getting to be creative with them. And I'm also a huge fan of the Texas Hill Country. Most weekends, including this past weekend that we just had, you can find me driving away from Austin and towards the Hill Country for some wide open spaces. That's great. Thank you for that intro. I think there's lots of great elements in there. I think congratulations on all of the success at WorkRise because you've been there for a few years now and I think gone through different levels of fundraising and different ups and downs. So congratulations on all of that success. One of the things that I didn't quite realize that caught my attention was that WorkRise, it sounds like, is basically bundled the entire experience. So you have obviously getting a job and starting a job, and I think typical staffing and temp hiring might say being employed, but you've also added in that skills and education piece. Is that right? That's right. You know, in some cases, we are looking at training for particular roles, but we really think about what is the full experience for a worker, you know, getting them paid, getting them the benefits, getting them the training to ultimately help them be more successful at landing that job and having a career for the long term. Interesting. Is that a unique differentiator for WorkRise? It certainly is. I think that we look at the problem at really solving for the complexity that is there with the industry. So our industry in general is fairly analog. A lot of work is done remote and it's truly a desert of innovation for people looking to solve problems for these skilled laborers and for the clients that are looking to hire them. I mean, that's a lot of great elements in there. You know, I want to go back to that, but I also the the target workers who is really using WorkRise? Who are you serving? What do the customers look like? Can you go into a little bit more detail about the different se- industry segments? For sure, and I think it'd be helpful for me to kind of give a little bit of background on how WorkRise came about, and then tell you more about the workers and the clients that we serve. So, really, WorkRise was originally born out of our co-founders' vision to connect clients and workers in the oil and gas industry more efficiently, and to really modernize the typical employment experience for contractors in that industry. And then, as the company grew, we saw a ton of similar similarities in the way that contractors. 
across other skilled labor industries engage with projects. So in late 2019, around the time that I joined, WorkRise began expanding into renewables and construction. And, and the idea beyond for the and the main idea for the expansion was that we could create more opportunities for work for the skilled laborers we serve, agnostic of the industry that they're in today. And as, as we both know, there's a really big labor gap that's going on in the U.S. right now. The skilled labor workforce has been shrinking as skilled labor jobs are returning. Fewer people are pursuing careers in skilled trades, and the majority of skilled labor workers are baby movers who are set to retire throughout the next decade. So when we think about who our target market is, it really includes these workers who are going out and doing the physical work across these skilled trades. And that includes role types like journeyman electricians, project managers, completion consultants, wind techs, and many more. These are skilled laborers who are certified in their trade and experienced with the work that they do. And then on the client side, we're really targeting folks who are hiring the workers for their projects and for their jobs. And while the jobs differ depending on which vertical we're talking about, there's really three areas of customers. There's the executive level decision makers who might be the VPs or the C-suites of a company that we're looking to influence. There's the corporate level decision makers, which are the directors that influence labor decisions across multiple job sites. And finally, there's the field level decision makers or the hiring managers who are on a job site and looking to fill jobs. Wow, that, that's great. That was a, a lot of detail. So I really appreciate that. And I think a lot to unpack on there. So I think oil and gas, renewables, construction, and those are, I think, legacy segments or maybe not segments that WorkRise started with. Have you expanded since the pandemic into other segments? We started and originally was oil and gas, and that's when we saw so much potential for additional skilled labor trades, including construction and renewables. And we really see that the technology that we're looking to build will hopefully improve the lives of many skilled laborers and the clients that are working to serve them for the long term. Can you go through that process of the rebrand, what led to it, what that was like? For sure. Um, That's exactly right. When I joined, I joined an organization called Rig Up. And as we started expanding into these new verticals, it was clear that our business was just getting more diverse. And the name Rig Up wasn't going to grow with us as it was so specific to oil and gas. So we decided it was time to do a rebrand because it would help our workers and clients better understand who we are, what we do and who we serve. So we had about 10 months to pull off the rebrand, and we needed to do it fully in-house. This was in the middle of a pandemic during COVID, and we were just setting up the team, working to execute this, and we're really focused on getting it done. I think my biggest learning from the rebrand was that a rebrand is not a marketing-only initiative. It is a whole company initiative. And if you're given a chance to lead one, you're going to get really deep into the weeds of every single department at the company. For me personally, this was awesome because I got to learn the business inside out. But I will say it was a very drastic shift in terms of what I thought a rebrand was, which was name, logo, identity, to what then we experienced. So I'd love to tell you key learnings that we had about the rebrand, if that sounds good. Yeah, it sounds great. Awesome. So... I think the first really big learning we had is that you have to ask everyone to poke holes in your plan. 
the first thing we did as a team was we identified a lead in every large department of the company to be a part of our steering committee. And with such a quick start to finish timeline, we didn't have the, the luxury of understanding the dynamics of, of every single department in the business. So we outlined everything that we could. And I just remember going to each person on that committee asking, you know, where's this plan going to fall apart? How will our customers perceive this? What will our workers think about this approach? What are the blind spots? And I found the WorkRise team just to be so collaborative and mission-oriented in solving these problems together. And there's no way we could have executed this if we didn't learn from the people that were directly responsible for their departments and take their recommendations to heart. It sounds like you changed your entire business, not just the rebrand. Is that is that right? I would say that the business expanded very quickly beyond oil and gas in that moment. And it was a moment that we had to serve as a result and started the rebrand. Was it a pull or a push? Like the other segments were like renewables were coming to you. And and I don't even know, are are the major oil and gas companies getting to renewables and like, hey, we want to do this more? Or is it other renewables coming to you? Like, how did that, how did that transition work? Because I think the marketing implications are probably different on different aspects of that. Absolutely. It's a great question. We saw that there's an opportunity to bring the technology to additional skilled trade categories. And there were also transferable skills between skilled labor categories. So it seemed just like a ripe opportunity to really start bringing the technology and the tools of WorkRise to additional skilled trade categories. Okay, so so you as a group saw the opportunity. You're like looking at oil and gas adjacencies, maybe looking at similarities and said, hey, this would probably work for renewables and probably work for construction. Yeah, skill skill trades in general. Just, yeah, we're we're set, are such an underserved part of the ecosystem that's being supported that there we just saw it as an opportunity to bring the power of work rise to additional industries. And I think there's only a ton more to be done here. There are many, many things that are similar in nature that overlap and are, and it can be approached with similar solutions, but then there are huge differences too, right? Between working as um, a construction manager and then working as someone in oil and gas. So then from a marketing perspective, you know, how did you ramp up on these new industries? As you looked at, okay, we have to sell into renewables, we have to sell into construction, new industries. How'd you go out identifying sort of the right value proposition and the right target buyers? Yeah, that's a great question. So during the time of the rebrand, we really thought deeply about what is our positioning for the market. And we did tons of research. So I remember being in focus groups with both clients and workers, understanding what are the main pain points that WorkRise can address and how do we start speaking the same language? And a lot of the things were actually very similar to how we think about work, right? Like the consistency of work matters for workers, finding quality workers that are trained and certified and have the experience matters for clients. It also matters that we're able to help them find the talent quickly and put them to work. And so what we did from there is in every single part of our creative, whether it was product marketing, messaging, to online ads, to events, to even our locations in the branch, 
we figured out how are we going to really take this messaging to market and make it come alive through the process of the rebrand. So, so you relaunched all the marketing with the brand. How did you phase that relaunch, that rebrand? Like what were the pieces that you wanted to do first from a marketing plan and a comps plan? And then what pieces came afterwards? Yeah. So our rebrand was broken down in a few key steps. The first was really understanding what is the story? What is the narrative? How do we think about our mission, our vision, our key value props? And what are the messages that we're bringing to each of those segments? We then had to think about the actual mark, right? What is going to be the name of the company? How is it going to look? What is going to be the essence of what that mark is going to mean? And then we had to bring it to life. And that included everything from setting up a brand new website to developing the marketing tech stack, figuring out lead scoring, and really building up the B2B and B2C sides of the house to start orienting towards the WorkRise brand. Today, we have a much clearer playbook and design system that we're able to leverage but none of that existed. We really had to build it from the ground up and develop the story for the WorkRise brand through that experience together. Got it. So you know, I think when I think of RigUp, and I probably think of sort of the old story of two people who I think came from the consulting investment bank, banking background, had gone to AM, realized there's an opportunity here. That's what I think of as part of the founding story. Maybe that's wrong and outdated. Did you think about a new narrative that goes into the founding story or where the company comes from or what it means to, to embrace this larger vision? We were not looking to make a pivot from the initial founding story. In fact, something that was very true during the entire time of the rebrand is that we were always building on our existing mission. So WorkRise is a very worker-focused company. When we were doing the rebrand work, we were intentional that we were going to be building upon those worker ethos and only having that story grow and expand versus changing the narrative. Got it. So, so it was adding to, in addition to, not supplanting. Effectively. Definitely. Got it. Got it. And then... Are there crossovers? So the people who work on oil and gas, are you seeing those people go into other areas, whether it's renewables or construction? I asked, you know, part of obviously the time that WorkRise has been around also included the day that oil basically went negative in the futures market. And I think I remember there was a period of time where people were really worried about oil and gas. Obviously, it's doing really well now. But did you see people switching areas between these two different areas? And so was that that brand awareness helpful or is it just completely different workers? That's a great question. You know, during the time of the shutdowns and like when oil traded below zero, there was so much that was going on nationwide. And there was a lot of uncertainty in oil and gas, but also in the country and across industries. And so, you know, there there was short term job loss in the oil and gas industry. And as a business, we were really trying to figure out what can we do? What what is within our control in this very uncontrollable situation? And so what we did is we stayed in really close communication with our workers and partnered with companies to help with on-site COVID testing and figuring out various training programs. And so as part of that, we also focused on how do we help create opportunities for these workers 
outside of oil and gas. So for some workers, we were actually able to transition them into solar and renewables based on their skill set and keep them working, which was really our end goal is to keep people working through some of these really you know rough times. Now, oil and gas has had a big rebound, and we're actually seeing more demand for workers in that industry and rig counts go back up. So diversification of the business was definitely a big strength at the time. But there's different factors we have to consider when it comes to people transitioning industries. There's different pay, different benefits, different clients, and of course, the different line of work. So it's it's a challenge that exists and that we're excited to solve, but we have to figure out the right opportunities to where we can make it beneficial to transition a worker. Got it. So it's not just the skill set. It's also, I think, pay levels and who knows, benefit levels and location. So there's the pay and then there's non-financial barriers to career switching in some cases. Absolutely. Got it. So now as we're talking about this, it, you know, it sounds like you have the B2B side. So you have executives that you want to be aware of WorkRise. You have field workers who are potentially going to use WorkRise to use then you have the actual workers and you have them sort of getting a job to work rise. You also have this reskilling platform. It's a lot of different marketing challenges. How do you structure your team to be able to deal with those different audiences and let's say action types that you want to drive? The, the way that I would summarize it is that we're essentially a marketplace model where we're looking to match the, the worker with the right type of work, the right project. And so ultimately our goal is to meet workers where they are. And from a channel mix, you know, that could be anything from coming into an office and referring a friend to finding out about work rides through an online ad. So the way that we think about our channels and, and reaching workers, it can be a mix of offline and online experiences where people are thinking about their careers. We also like to think about what are our workers doing when they're not on the job site and how do we create memorable experiences for them? So Examples might be family activities. We know that a lot of time spent not on the job is with your family, sporting events and partnerships with companies that they interact with and more. So as we think about how do we become the number one company of choice for skilled laborers and clients alike, we're really looking at how do we meet people where they're at and to help them with the potential that WorkRise could play in their lives. Mm, got it. Do you consider having competition in this market, uh, either on the employee side or on the talent, or sorry, on the employer side? Do, do you do you see competition, or are you all sort of a unique category creator? You know, it's an interesting question because the typical players, you know, in the industries that we serve, would really be these more traditional, more analog staffing firms. And these can be the big staffing giants or mom and shop. These can be the big giants or mom and pop shops, depending on the industry. But what's different about WorkRise is that we're really trying to revolutionize that experience for workers. So how do we bring in that manual paper time card experience into the future? How do we accelerate payments so that we're getting money in our workers' pockets as quickly as possible? And how do we do it more efficiently so that we can pass along some of those savings directly to workers instead of taking a huge cut out of their paychecks like more traditional players? Is there a generational difference? Like, is there a group of people who are going to gravitate towards a different type of experience because they're going to like expect sort of like the consumerization 
of work and what this looks like? Or is that wrong in a hypothesis perspective? And it's a good hypothesis. I don't have any data to really say, hey, there's this rise in people looking to use technology differently. I think it, you know, here's what I'll say is the the industry in general is so analog and there's a massive opportunity for us to deliver technology that changes the ways that a lot of people work today. And that really goes back to thinking about every stage of a worker's journey and thinking about the steps that they have to go through, including onboarding, payroll, invoicing, how do they find that next job, and how we support them as a business from a technology standpoint, as well as the people that know who are the right folks that we can match in with clients is really our main differentiator. Got it. So, so then you market this effectively as an all-in-one bundled solution. Is that right? You're not saying... D- depending on the industry and depending on the situation, you might have a payroll company like, hey, we're the best payroll company. And another one might be like, hey, we're the best scheduling company. And what you're saying is we're the best all-in-one company for these these industries. So you don't have to think about how do I put together five pieces of technology? You're just basically like, here's the person from WorkRise and everything is taken care of. Is that right? That's right. It's really bringing this full stack approach of bringing all the pieces together in one place to create the ultimate experience for a skilled laborer. Got it. So then when you're talking about the marketing message, do you go with sort of the high level message of this is the all in one, the easiest? Or do you talk about the sort of more detailed pieces? Like what does that look like from a let's say architecture perspective on the messaging? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, at a at a high level, our mission that we orient everything under is that we empower the people who get the hard work done. And all of our messaging ties in through that mission. For our skilled laborers or our workers, we have three frames of messaging that's fairly consistent. And that's more opportunities. So we connect people with the best jobs and the best companies across a variety of trades. We offer better work because we can support a person's career by matching them with the best companies and quality jobs. And then finally, better benefits. So we ensure that people are compensated competitively with generous benefits packages and paid and that they're paid on time every time. Sorry. And and finally, we offer better benefits so that we ensure workers are compensated competitively with generous benefits packages and getting paid on time every time. Now, for clients or for the employers looking to hire, the main messages that we bring to market are reliable results. So our skilled laborers complete the job safely and in the right way, that we have an expansive workforce, that we offer availability and speed, and that there's also research resource efficiency that comes in with more flexible and local solutions to help clients reduce costs and drive greater efficiencies for their business. Got it. So, so then I think on the, the client side, it really is all about what you provide. So the, the technology and other experiences may enable that. But at the end of the day, it's about having reliable workers in place quickly. For sure. Interesting. Okay, that, that's helpful. How, how about like just switching gears completely out of work rise? What is the best piece of career advice someone has given you? Or what is the best piece of career advice to give to someone entering tech or HR tech? What's your best career advice? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I actually was thinking 
when I got into tech, it almost happened by complete accident. And I'll I'll close off with the career advice, but I think that this story kind of lends itself to to how I got to thinking it was the best career advice I've gotten. But when I started out in my career, I was working in advertising and it was during the time that the 2008 recession hit. And so few agencies were hiring and I had to transition my approach completely. And so I started applying for jobs outside of advertising, which included sales. And a pivotal point in my career that I remember was I was interviewing with a local e-commerce company for a sales position. And the interviewers who were two sales directors told me, hey, we're going to give you the job, but we also just want to float your resume to our CEO because he mentioned that there may be a need to have a marketer. And the CEO walked into the room and asked if I'd consider being their first marketing hire. And it was a role that wasn't even posted yet. I was so excited for this opportunity. And it was my first chance to really build out a team of 25 marketers and build out the brand across digital events, TV, and more. So it was a huge learning ground. And when I think about you know, what's the best career advice that someone gave me, it, also, it really goes back. It was a piece of advice that was given to me by my piano teacher at the time. And the advice was now with enthusiasm. So whenever we would play long pieces like a concerto or, or something that you know, could be like 30 minutes of playtime or more, you can sometimes start to lose steam in the middle of the piece. And so my piano teacher would say when she noticed this now with enthusiasm, and I would approach the piece with a brand new energy. And I incorporate this really into every part of my life, whether it's my kids, my work, or through creative projects. I certainly leaned on this advice when I was early in my career, having to do things for the first time. And I definitely bring it into the way that I approach working through startups and figuring out how to build you know, at quick speeds and figuring out what is the right go-to-market for our products. So when I think about the best piece of career advice, that's something that really comes to mind for me because you can break down something that might feel big and overwhelming and change the tune entirely based on how you perceive a situation. That is a great answer. I'm going to ask a follow-up question, which is, how do you manage your energy level? So obviously doing everything with enthusiasm takes a lot of effort. So how do you rest and recharge so that you can come back into your professional life, into your parenting life, into your relationships in your life with enthusiasm? It's a great question. And I think one area that I consider is that doing things with enthusiasm doesn't necessarily mean it's the outward showing, right, of emotion. But rather doing something with enthusiasm could actually be slowing down and thinking deeply about the problem in front of you. I myself am a huge introvert. And now that I have children, I've been figuring out what are ways for me to make more space to have quiet time on a daily basis. And this has made me adjust my schedule some to where I might need to wake up earlier or dedicate blocks across my day to really just be thoughtful and to write and to reflect, but certainly recharging on an everyday basis, not an every now and then basis is absolutely critical for me personally. And I think for parents that are trying to survive during this pandemic, you know, whether they're with at home with kids or working full time with kids, it's been a grind. And so we're doing our best, 
but we have to take care of ourselves and sometimes put ourselves first or actually always put ourselves first to really thrive and survive for the sake of our kids, our families, and our employees. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That makes complete sense to me. And I think you know, structuring a day and a schedule in a way that gives time to rebuild and re-energize is, is so important. So I think that's great advice. Olga, I just want to thank you for joining me today. Love digging into WorkRise and the rebranding and the messaging differences that you all have gone through and how you pulled it off. That's, that's been great. And thank you for that, sharing that insight. It was so fun to talk to you again, EJ. Thank you so much for having me. 